Hey, Phoenix, how's it going? Groovy, how are you? <laughs> Groovy. Well, that seems a bit optimistic on your part. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to talk about magical tools today. That's what I hear. Yeah. But uh, maybe a little bit differently. I think what we're going to do is actually stick to sort of uh, near enough three sort of uh, standard magical tools. Um, you know, like you can get very esoteric with tools and talk about, you know, like I do with kitchen magic. I talk about my knives in the kitchen or my apron and things like that. But I want to talk about sort of um, three tools uh, from our magical tool cabinet. So actual magical tools maybe that you've consecrated or have been gifted to you that you use uh, when you're doing a variety of the witchcrafts. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Sure. Sound interesting? Sure. Okay. You go first. <laughs> pick, uh, so uh, pick a magical tool of yours, something from our magical cabinet. Uh, well, I'd have to break your rule there because my favorite magical tool is not in the magical cabinet. Where is it? It's in the kitchen cabinet. Go on then. It's my coffee mug. So not really sticking <laughs> at all with traditional <laughs> magical tools from the magical Well, I thought, I see now you said you wanted to talk about traditional tools, but I thought you wanted to talk about the tools we use. Well, go on then. So I was thinking about the tools that I use, and my 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 cup may not be considered officially like a Wicca tool, but it is a tool of witchcraft. And is it the famous oldie cup that we read about so often in magic? The oldie cup? Ye what ye the hell are you talking about? <laughs> the oldie cup? You're like it's considered a magical tool, maybe not for Wicca, but for witchcraft. <laughs> well, you know, in Wicca, you have a chalice that's used for libations and w the wine that is shared and blah blah um you know another w uh, modern witchcraft traditions often borrow from that i think some pagan traditions do too there's a chalice that's used uh and and you know it looks like a wine glass or whatever or a metal cup or something all fancy like that but you know real witchcraft oh my god <laughs> real witchcraft is using what you've got and so my I actually have a few different favorite mugs but when I have tea in the morning and when I take my vitamins and whatever supplements I'm taking I drink I'm very intentional in my morning routines and tea is made sometimes by you sometimes by me but it Mo mostly by me that's actually untrue but anywho um but it's done very intentionally and the tea that like my morning routine, the thing I do in the morning and the cup and I usually. So no, let's be specific. Okay. Not the thing you do in the morning or your morning routine. What do you do in the morning? What's magical about having a cup of tea for you? Well, it's, you know, the, the cup, there are certain cups that are magical to me that they represent uh, because they've either been blessed or they're. Um, special because I don't let anyone else use them or they hold a specific energy mostly because they've been blessed by me you know these aren't like huge uh, long rituals they are just objects that I particularly love and so have blessed 
And so pretty much anyone that drinks out of it and anything they drink out of it, they're going to be receiving that blessing. I thought you just said that you don't let anybody drink out of these cups. Some of them I do. Some of them I don't. There's, yeah. like I said, there's several of them. There's two or three that I don't let anyone use. But then, you know, I have a mug issue. I really do <laughs> love me some mugs. So yeah. I don't, uh, you know, to say that I drink out of the same cup every day and it's like this solemn, sacred, right? Is, that's just not true. Uh, I, I might like that to be true. The fantasy of it sounds quite beautiful and poetic, but my life's just not that organized. So <laughs> it's a little bit more random than that. Okay, so let's go back to where we started the conversation. Yep. Every morning you get up mm -hmm. and you have uh, a cup of something, typically tea, mm -hmm. and you said you do this routine with mm -hmm. a magical cup. What routine do you do? Well, I am very intentional as I drink my tea, so I ponder on the day ahead. I ponder on the things that I want to accomplish. This isn't a deep spiritual practice, but it is. It's very simple. Okay, stop with it. Stop with it. This. What's well, the, it's not about? a deep spiritual. Well, practice, it's not it like is. some deep meditation where I'm, you know, reading from the book of the dead and I, I'm having a deep philosophical blah blah. Because you know, sometimes people assume that that all magical activities need to look like that and they don't like so much a real world is magical so i just drink my tea and take my time uh, i've started in the last year i've started shifting my um my schedule so that i have a wider window in the mornings to slowly start my day so i don't have to rush and get up and get showered and get ready and head out the door which is how my life was many years ago that doesn't fit for me that doesn't that doesn't work for me as a human so I've shifted my schedule so that I have more time in the morning and I try to make that time very intentional sometimes that looks like checking email or um, getting caught up on social media sometimes that looks like thinking about my day ahead and taking a moment to breathe but at the very least I take a handful of freaking supplements and vitamins. And at the very least, when I take those supplement and vitamins, I say prayers for health, for myself, for my family, for the well-being of the planet. I take a moment to be grateful that I have access to such supplements. Uh, and so it's a moment of prayer, a moment of gratitude, a moment of awakening to my day. Um, but it is, you know, it's this it's this simple mundane part of my day, but I use this ritual object, this sacred object, objects, <laughs> and um, yeah. So how's that witchcraft? I mean, there's nothing, I mean, that could very easily be new age, white light, yeah, positivity crap. No, it could, it, it, it could and it is. It, it, I mean, it is. It's both. You know, witchcraft is using what you've got to better your life. Um, you know, who doesn't have a coffee mug, right? So one of the things that when we talk about ritual tools on a generic level, one of the things that often annoys me is this sort of, it's not really gatekeeping, but it's sort of this idea that you have to have something expensive or fancy or that you purchased from an artisan or it has to look or be a certain way. And if you're involved in a specific tradition, sure, that's true. But for witchcraft, you don't need any of those trappings. You just need something that's sacred to you. And taking a moment every day to connect to the world, to connect to your spirit self, to connect to your gratitude, that might sound new agey, but it's also witchcraft. Well, there you go.
How's that? <laughs> it's great. And, and I watch you do that every day. So it doesn't <laughs> matter what I think about it, really, does it? It's, <laughs> it's your magic that you do. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. What about you? Uh, you know, I was thinking about this when I looked in our magical cabinet where we keep all of our, some of our, our ritual tools. And um, there were two or three that really sort of stuck out to me. Two of them are actually in the cabinet, and one of them often rests on the cabinet. But what I found interesting um, was, and I'll describe them all as we go through this, but all three of them have something in common, mm. which I hadn't really thought about uh, when I was looking in the cabinet thinking, hmm, which ones do I want to talk about? Yeah. And then, and there are three, and I realized, oh, interestingly <laughs> enough, these all have a common thread. And so just, you know, I'm one of those folks that thinks, hmm, if I see something once, it's curious, take note of it. If I see something twice, hmm, maybe something is sort of tapping on my shoulder. And if I see something three times, then I'm like, okay, well, I need to pay attention to this. So now I'm cogitating as I'm about to describe these items. I'm starting to think, what do they all represent? Mm -hmm. And I've got an idea of what they represent. Um, but it's just interesting that of all of the items that are in our magical cabinet, I, I chose those three for today. Mm -hmm. um, and just to take a minute to describe our magical cabinet. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's a wooden hutch. It's got two or three drawers. It's got a couple of cupboards. Um, it's got two yeah, it's or like three a glass kitchen panels. Hutch. Yeah, like a, a kitchen hutch. And in it, we've got all manner of magical items, everything from altar cloths to stones and candles and basically anything. If somebody said, quick, put together an altar, you know, we could open up that cabinet and grab all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first of my items is, um, I call it my casting tool. Mm -hmm. So it's not actually an athame as such. It sort of functions that way because I often use it when I cast a circle. Yeah. But it's about um, probably six, seven inches long. And uh, probably four of those inches are a piece of a deer's antler. Mm -hmm. And then the remaining couple, three inches uh, is sort of a cylindrical, long cylindrical point uh, made out of copper so it sort of looks like a an awl if you will like mm -hmm. it looks like you could punch something with it it's a long pointed piece of copper yeah um and i use that when i cast circles a lot especially if i'm in a, a like a bigger public ritual and one that's not necessarily confined to a tradition that requires very specific tools to do something like that but I do love casting a circle with an item in my hand. Um, you can cast a circle just as easily with your, with your hand or scanning your eyes around the room, you know, depending on what you're doing. But I really love using this tool. So it's, um, again, it's about six, seven inches long. About four inches of that is an antler. And then there's this point, this copper point. And I think why I like it, so, you know, people have been, human beings have been using copper for 10,000 years um, and it's you know it was found in in all of the various places that early civilizations uh, came up there was and if they had any sort of metal working that we've been able to discover there was nearly always copper it was mm -hmm. something that was highly traded 
So I think if I have my uh, time errors or epochs correctly, that would have been 10,000 years ago is Neolithic times, I think. So I don't know that. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> could be could be wrong. That sounds like science or mm. history or things that I don't have knowledge of because I was schooled in the United States. Right, there you go. So anyway, <laughs> back in potentially the Neolithic times, um, copper was used for all sorts of things, right? Um, and uh, it was also used as coins, as currency became a thing. Uh, copper was often blended with other alloys, metals, things like that. And eventually that's where we get coins from, you know, like the sort of... Um, you know, with with Roman emperors on it, or whomever whomever it was that was minting those coins. So it's interesting that you know one of the words that we use for cop for money is currency, and copper is a really good conductor of energy. Mm-hmm. So again, currency, energy, electricity, those are all sort of words that go together. And for me, that makes a lot of sense when casting a circle, right? So yeah. I use this tool. But what's neat about it for me is that because of the antler, it feels like I'm very much grounded into the earth, right? Mm-hmm. So this antler is a thing that was shed, or um, perhaps if if it was if the deer was hunted, you know, it's one of the leftover pieces that you can use that's not edible. So there's this very uh, grounding aspect to it, and yet this incredibly energetic piece to it and again because it's got a point on it i always feel like i'm sort of scoring a circle um if you've ever seen anything you know like star wars or anything that uses lasers and they plunge some sort of a laser into a a big metal door and then they you know make a circle around it and then the door falls in you know Mm -hmm. that that's kind of what i imagine i'm doing when i use that casting tool Mm. um so again i'm connected to the earth through the antler right and then i'm drawing in the currency i'm drawing in the energy and then manipulating that with that casting tool with the copper part of it um and you know there's other things I, i find copper to be you know really related i think to again because of currency literally money abundance and uh sort of the the ability to manifest stuff Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes when we're casting a circle to do magic you know sometimes it's healing magic of course or there's some other purpose for it but a lot of times it's about gathering power for some reason right Mm -hmm. whatever the magic might be so i like using a tool that's connected directly to power and to currency um and abundance and manifestation on a completely different tangent, that's often why you see copper flashing in a copper sheets or uh, copper in kitchens, right? Because it's connected to wealth and abundance. So it's it's mm. good luck to have copper in your kitchen for that reason. Hmm. So that's why I like that. That's one of my favorite tools. So typically you would use an athame to cast a circle tip- typically sure, right or a sword or so how do you do you notice a difference between this tool and an athame um for all intents and purposes no and yes <laughs> no like the ability to cast a circle 
um, the energy that I feel like I can draw up using it, um, the ability to uh, mark the space as sacred. Now, I think all of that I can do equally with a tool or without actually so using an athame no the big difference though when using an athame because it's a you know traditionally it's a two-sided blade right um i find that the energy when using an athame the circle that gets created is mm, how do i say this it cuts away anything that really doesn't need to be there for me so that's the use of anathema. If I really want to cut myself away from the outside world, people looking in, if there's a reason to do the magic in secret, you know, things like that, then I'll I'll use the um, the athame. So I'm cutting out anything that doesn't belong hmm. in that circle. And you know, athame you can use for other things too, and carving candles or cutting away energy threads or whatever do you use this tool for that purpose or is it strictly a casting yeah tool? it's really interesting i nearly or I, I call it my casting tool mm -hmm. so i nearly always use it for that purpose i have used it other times but just the way it fits in my hand the part of the antler sort of fits around my pinky mm -hmm. and then the rest of the antler you know goes up through my palm and then if i extend my index finger mm -hmm. the point of the copper cylinder sort of matches up right to the end of my fingertip so it, it just fits beautifully in my hand in fact i think sometimes when i cast a circle you couldn't even see that i was holding it yeah um so yeah in that particular case i use it only as a maybe not only almost exclusively mm -hmm. as a casting tool nice yeah 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 i suppose because of the point if i was doing like candle magic and i wanted to like poke holes mm -hmm. in a candle i could probably use it for that i never have yeah um i'm trying to think if i've ever used it i've put it on an altar but i think i've always only ever used it i can't think of a time when i've not used it for casting yeah so yeah i love that tool nice mm-hmm yeah, and it's handcrafted. I didn't handcraft it. <laughs> I bought it from someone. If I'd handcrafted it, it would have fallen apart years ago. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it was handcrafted by a by a witch. Well, a pagan at least. I don't know that yeah. they were a witch. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I really like that one. So, like complete opposite of what you said. You don't have to buy an expensive tool from an artisan for it to be magic. I did buy this. It wasn't overly expensive. I think it was thirty five dollars. Which you know, depending on your budget, could be a lot or a not. Right. But um, uh, that felt like a really lovely exchange. So that was about mm -hmm. the right price. And I've had it for, I don't know, 15 years now, probably. Yeah. I love that tool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice to have the one special, unique thing that's only used for this ritual purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, and the other side of the coin or the opposite thing or whatever is also nice to have something you use every day that is sacred and when you use it it helps you connect it to the sacred yeah. you know both yeah. of those things are true yeah absolutely yeah okay so you talked about uh, an everyday cup or, or a series of cups really it's not so much about the particular vessel that you use mm -hmm. it's the fact that you do a ritual every day with a cup right sort of cause, well because so, you know like i said we have a we i have a mug problem and we have a lot of mugs in the house there are certain mugs i don't use because they don't feel special <laughs> they don't i don't like the way they feel in my hand there's nothing and uh, pretty about it it doesn't appeal to my aesthetic and so i don't like to drink out of those cups 
So you're saying that the big, bright yellow <laughs> mug with the mustache on it tends not to get used for magical purposes. Well, actually, that's not one that <laughs> I typically hate. You, it's usually it's the smaller mugs that I like, the more traditional size cup that I don't like. Mm. But we don't have to go <laughs> into all of my <laughs> cup needs. That's a whole other show. All right. So uh, you have a, a mug or, or a variety of mugs yeah. that you'll use. What else do you use? So you've got all these mugs. I've got the copper casting tool. What else is in your magical cabinet that you use? Uh, so in the magical cabinet, I also have a rattle, uh, which, you know, sounds, it may sound interesting or it may sound weird, but it is a, it was gifted to me in my initiation in the reclaiming tradition. And it was given to me by one of my initiators and in her initiation, it was given to her by one of her initiators. So it's this tool that's been handed down. And um, I believe it's some sort of like gourd or actually it might even be seaweed. I'm not sure what it is that it's lineage. It's magical lineage I'm aware of, but what it is made of, I'm not super aware of. But the top of it is, a you know, it's a bulb shape. It's very round. Um, it's like the size of an apple or an orange, something like that size, very round. And then it's attached to a long stick. It's about a foot long altogether. And there's, it looks like some burnings of um, just a simple design. It's not anything specific. It's no specific tradition or lineage as far as the designing on it. And I don't know what's in it, like what makes it rattle. I don't like know. seed pods. Or yeah, something. it could be seed pods. It, if it's a seaweed, I'm guessing it could be seaweed pods. If it's a gourd, it's gourd seeds. I don't know. Um, but it has a nice sound to it. It also feels really good. It has a nice weight and, and a heft in my hand when I use it. Um, and it's special to me because it does have this lineage that it was a, an, an initiation gift and then an, an initiation gift, you know, from initiator to initiator. But the an initial or original owner is someone that is... Um, important i guess to the reclaiming tradition someone who was there at the beginning well they're one of the three founders right right so it also feels like a very special piece of that tradition that that i was given as a gift but i like rattles for as a magical tool for a few things you know um i i lead a lot of trances and magical exercises and um trances or guided visualizations or however you might want to look at those and I do like to accompany those with music or drumming and occasionally with a rattle. And I feel like a rattle has a very specific function in a trance. You know, sometimes with, like I have a shruti box that I play, which is like a drone noise. It just sort of creates this solid kind of white noise. And I really love that because I feel like it's like a hypnotic quality. But I also like to play the drum when I lead trances because that can um, help shift brain patterns. Uh, and then I use the rattle, but this, like I said, it's for a very specific reason because the rattle is much more jarring. Um, a a drum or a drone shifts your brain pattern where a rattle can actually almost be distracting. So I use it for more like healing journey work or um, coming back from healing journey work. I really love to use a rattle to cleanse my spirit body, you know, so if I've got if I've picked something up, I'm going to cough. I'm really sorry. <coughs> sorry. If I've picked something up um, 
or if I'm just feeling a lot of negative energy, you know, you can burn herbs to clean your spirit body, or you can use a rattle to, sh you just shake it around yourself and it shake shakes up energy that doesn't belong there and helps it to dissipate. Uh, and that's my favorite use for a rattle. So I sort of save that rattle for, um, for those purposes. It's not an everyday tool by any stretch of the imagination. I don't regularly use it in ritual because it's not like from a Wicca perspective, there is no, you don't use a rattle um, in Wicca rituals. In my other traditions, you know, a rattle is kind of an extra thing. It's, you know, not something that you have to have or fills any specific function. So it's more like for like the folk magic stuff that I do um, to clear energy and cleanse things out. Um, and it feels good to use it. <laughs> so that, that actually says a lot too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So interesting side note, uh, you were at a coffee shop like three months ago and just happened to mention something about the reclaiming tradition. Right. And it turned out the person standing next to you in line or somewhere in the cafe yeah. was that person yeah. that in, in, in essence, uh, whose rattle this was, mm -hmm. right? Who gave this to you by proxy. So that's kind of interesting there. And you'd never yeah. met them. No, I'd never met them and I didn't know what they looked like. Obviously, I knew their name. But, um, you know, I said something about reclaiming to the waitress. And then this person was like, oh, do you know blah, blah, blah? And I was like, yes. And then I, I said, what's your name? And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> it was kind of like meeting a, like a rock star, you know, or a, like a, or an, a famous author, right? Who you might not know what they look like. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was kind of like bumping into the Doreen Valiente of the reclaiming tradition. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty cool. That's very cool. So uh, coffee mugs and rattles. Mm -hmm. They're your two so far. So far. Yeah. How about you? What's number two on your list? Yeah, so this was uh, something that was gifted to me uh, just a few years ago, actually. And I don't use it very often, but I love it. And I, I think, <laughs> with the exception of your coffee mugs, this is something that is becoming a um, uh, maybe a theme. These aren't things that we use all the time, mm -hmm. but for specific ritual purposes. So uh, I mentioned earlier on that the three things that I've, chosen that are in our magical cabinet all have something in common so this is also another tool uh, it looks more like a ceremonial knife the handle of it again is antler mm. and this was antler that somebody found in a forest um, and then they fashioned it so at the end of the antler handle there is some wrapping i think it's thin leather thread and then there is about a two two and a half inch um obsidian napped blade mm -hmm. and uh again i think the idea of the handle being um antler really ties it into this grounding piece which i find interesting that the two first tools that i'm talking about both have this aspect of being antlered uh, and both have this aspect of tying me or or connecting me i should say to mm -hmm. the ground and then uh you know the obsidian again like one of the most ancient tools that has been found in you know various archaeological digs of you know our ancient ancient ancestors 
they would flint nap it you know they would bang it with another stone and, and sharpen it so uh, in um, where we live here in Northern California there are several mostly dormant volcanoes or extinct volcanoes but because there was a lot of volcanic activity in this area there's tons of obsidian all over the place um, and up until I don't know maybe 15 20 years ago it wasn't uncommon to find uh, an arrowhead from the First Nations people that lived on this land I don't seem to find them much anymore you're not supposed to keep them of course if you do find one mm -hmm. but um, uh, and and this piece of obsidian is not from this land but there's something about it being volcanic right so again connected to the deep deep earth but thrown up in this moment of cataclysm right during an eruption obsidian is is glass mm -hmm. right essentially it's I've said essentially like 50 times have I made you <laughs> that weird vocal tick for the day but yeah it's it's obsidian it's it's black glass it's fired glass there's something for me quintessential uh, about being a Sagittarius and a fire sign and having a lot of that kind of energy wrapped up in obsidian right um, but because it's shaped because it's been fashioned by hand there's something about control maybe not controlling that energy harnessing that energy it's probably a better word for it so yeah I love that tool again it is sharp it's got mm -hmm. both a um, it's it's um, the blade is uh, only on one side but it's very sharp and then it comes to a point so you could use it to sort of stab um, <laughs> <laughs> not a person but like uh, make a point of something yeah uh, and then also it's got this very sharp blade that you could cut very easily yeah uh, yourself or, or something else on so for me I use that more like a traditional uh, Atherman mm -hmm. uh, in the idea that I'm cutting circle if I'm doing any cutting and clearing work if I want to cut the energy if I've been if I feel like I've been um, in some way bound to a person or to a situation uh, I'll use that to cut away uh, whatever it is that I, that doesn't serve me anymore or that which I don't want to be bonded to mm -hmm. uh, and again uh, I think there's this uh, what makes it special for me is that it's grounding it's antlered it's of the earth and the stone itself the the obsidian I guess it's not really a stone but uh, the, the obsidian glass itself is fashioned in this moment of cataclysm but has been harnessed uh, to be a really usable tool mm -hmm. so yeah I love that I absolutely and I very rarely use it yeah um, it feels like it's both of those tools and the third one that I'll talk about all feel like they're being they're all talking to me at the moment mm -hmm. you know have you ever sort of looked at a bookshelf and all of a sudden a book it seems like your fingers just get stuck to it and you sure. have to read it or yeah, yeah. and I'm just going through the magical cabinet I mean there's got to be 50 different things in that cabinet at least mm -hmm. and and it's like those three particular things are all speaking to me at the moment so mm -hmm. I'm curious what that means for me what magic is um, calling yeah yeah mm. what about you what's your third one well I'm having a hard time deciding on a third one like there's actually three things that I'm like okay, I could talk about this or this or this hmm, which one should I pick so I don't know uh, 
I'll go with the first ones that popped into my head. And then if we have time, maybe I'll talk about Oh, bonus. <laughs> bonus tools. <laughs> um, I have a wand. And I'm actually starting to wonder if it's even in there right now or if it's someplace else. And now I'm feeling a intense desire to figure out where it is. I might even, like, I'm even wondering, why am I talking right now? I need to go and figure out where that <laughs> wand is. <laughs> Well, we have a show to do. So. Yeah. Well, uh, so a year. So okay, this is actually longer than that. Fifteen years ago, when did we? You and I go to England together a long time 2005. ago. Two thousand and five. We went to England and we went to Glastonbury, and I bought a willow wand. No, hazel. A hazel wand at a witchcraft shop, and it was um, it w- it was like a corkscrew shaped. It it had like a been twisted. Yeah, it was twisted. It was so neat, and I just loved it. And we got it home. We got home from our trip, and um, then like a year later, our dog ate it. And I was very upset and sad and bummed, and it is gone, right? So it was burned in a ritual fire because it was, no joke, chewed. It became a chew toy for a baby lab. Um, So last year... Fast forward, I went back to Glastonbury to uh, the same witchcraft shop, but in a different location, same owners and everything, and I bought a new hazel wand. It does not look anything like the old one. It is much thicker. It's not corkscrew shaped. In fact, I was nervous because I refused to check luggage because I'm weird and paranoid. And so like we carried our luggage on. And it looks like a, it could be a vampire steak. Like it's pretty big. Like no, it's it's you know it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big size wand, and it's very it's long. You know it goes from my elbow to my, the middle of my finger, but it's very thick. It's thicker than any wand I've ever had. So I was nervous that it looks <laughs> like a unicorn horn. Yeah, it's really thick. So I was nervous that it was gonna get confiscated because it it is a little weapon like because it looks like a <laughs> vampire steak. Um, but I just, and I haven't used it a lot magically. It hasn't been officially consecrated for any specific use. Um, you know, it's just now dawning on me that I've had it a year. Hmm. But I love it so much. And it, you know, it's from this sacred place. It's It was made by this specific witch uh, and magician who I adore. You can, you can say his name. He's quite Tre- out. Trevor. Trevor Jones. Used to own Witchcraft. LTD. Yeah, which is now it just closed earlier on this well, year. Well, the store closed, but he's still online. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so yeah. Trevor Jones and Liz Williams. In Glastonbury. Yeah. Uh, and, and he does a lot of handcrafted things. He makes wands and And he collects this wood from his land, right? R- right, and the land around Glastonbury. Yeah, yeah. so, it, you know, it's pretty cool. And he's a very cool dude, so... I just I love this one so much, and um, like I said, I haven't done a lot with it magically, but it is, it is one of the things in the cabinet, and that is kind of the thing about a magical cabinet or having a set of magical tools is sometimes they come in and out of use and in and out of favor, and you might have something that you use every day for a million years and then set it down and don't ever go back to it or you know whatever. So why do you think that is? I don't know. I think, you know, maybe something lives its use and then it's just, it's time to retire it just like anything else, you know, yeah. or your magic has shifted and adjusted and you need something different, you know, or you go through a rite of passage and you need something different, whether that's 
minor or major, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. But I got to find that wand. Now you got to find that wand. But we're still doing the show, mm-hmm. so you're going to have to wait. It's just going to have to niggle away in the back of your brain and drive you nuts for the next 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Well, it can only really be in one of three places, so... But one of those places is at the shop at Milk and Honey. So if I can't find it here, I have to wait until tomorrow to go and look at Milk and Honey. In the curio <laughs> cabinet we keep in the shop. Or in my in, in my ha- desk, my magical desk that's in the reading room in the back. Yeah. I don't know. You'll have to find it. Yeah. So do you want to know my third item? Yes, let's hear it. <laughs> that sounded an awful lot like not really, but... I can't wait. <laughs> Woo! Oh, dear me. <laughs> oh, my days. Um, well, yeah, so the third item is, uh, again, not a traditional magical item in the sense that um, this item is used traditionally, but only usually in combination with something else. So I've got this uh, one side of a of a, a set of antlers right so it's got several one s- side of a set of antlers yeah you know one half of a you've got one antler well, it's one antler yeah yeah okay okay, okay with okay. many points on it get it okay right it's just the one side right yeah and so often you'll find uh, uh antlers you know connected to a big staff called a stang mm-hmm. right um i don't use one of those um but I do use this uh, antler, and I've used it quite a bit in ritual, and I often use it when I'm in a very earthy ritual. So imagine if you were calling like, uh, I don't know, like a a forest god or, um, you know, some sort of energetic deep in the woods, in the loam and the soil, Mm -hmm. very sensuous and sensual. Um, you know, that kind of energy, Lord of the Forest kind of energy. Right. And I'll use this antler often um, to conjure up that energy. And the way I sort of hold it in my hand, it's, it's almost like it becomes a big scoop, right? So imagine that I'm scooping down into the earth, into the soil, into that uh, duff, you know, all of that lovely, delicious under soil. <laughs> uh, what's it called? Undergrowth. Um, like sort of digging into that. Right. Uh, and uh, so, sort of scooping that up. And that's what I use it for. And so, again, here's this third tool that I'm thinking about that is uh, this set of antlers um, that have soil and earth built into them. Again, the other two have an antler handle. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular um, rack of antler is sure, that singular I, I sure um, has also got paint on it it's got finger paint on it from a Beltane ritual that uh, we were both at several years ago mm-hmm. and um, there was lots of finger paint and touching and covering people with different paint lots of lots of consent everybody was enthusiastically participating in this ritual no one was uh, told they had to do this right um, just to be clear but I ended up covered in red and green and yellow and blue paint mm-hmm. um, and I was holding this this rack of antler 
uh, at the time and so around the base of it where my hands were it's also got flecks of paint so it really reminds me um, of that particular Beltane ritual right which was really a, a delicious wonderful ritual but again it's it's got something to do with this primal sexual earthy sort of divine masculine or divine male energy yeah um, that the I really enjoy working with uh, it reminds me um, if you've ever m met the god uh, Kenunos uh, reminds me a lot of the kind of energy that that he might bring mm -hmm. sort of feral wild um, not uh, not domesticated, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's something really lovely about that particular energy. So, yeah, I'm really curious that, this, I mean, of all the things, there are cauldrons and cups and chalices and wands and yeah. knives and candles. There's all sorts of things in this magical cabinet. I'm really surprised that the three things that I picked out were these antlered pieces. And um, I'm going to ask you about your third tool oh no we my, did my bonus tool your bonus tool your fourth tool and, <laughs> and then i'm gonna uh, think about uh these these three tools that i've picked out and why i think uh they're connected oh yeah. you're gonna answer your own question i think so okay yeah and then you know talk it out with you okay all right so uh what's your bonus tool my bonus tool is the mortar and pestle oh really yeah why, why do you sound so surprised? Uh, um, because you have lots of things in your magical cabinet, and I um, would have suspected that you would have chosen your big owl feather. Mm, the wing. You, you, yeah, the wing, because you use that a lot. You have an yeah. entire owl's yeah. wing. Well, the wing, I feel like it's often an altar item, you know? Yeah. It sits on the altar. It's a It's decoration. It's not necessarily a a tool that I engage with from a non-aesthetic purpose, you know? Yeah. Um, but the mortar and pestle, and I have two different mortar and pestles. One I've had since I was 15 when I was first collecting all of my magical objects. And then the other one I've only had for a few years, and it was used in a Baba Yaga ritual. Mm. Um, and I love, and so it's sort of, I'm not talking about either one of the mortar and pestles, but just mortar and pestles in general. You know, I have this old marble one that's very heavy. Like you could, you could knock someone out if you hit them with it. It's very heavy, but it's not that big. You know, it's um, maybe only three inches in diameter. Yeah. And then this other one I have is a white ceramic one, and it's much smaller. Like it's just you know, it's it's a wee little thing, maybe an inch in diameter. Um. And it's, you know, very, sh it's not thick. It doesn't have a base. It's just a little bowl where the marble one that I have is very thick. It has a base. It's quite um, fancy. If you were crushing up a couple of aspirin, that mm -hmm. would be the perfect size. The, <laughs> the little white ceramic one. Yeah. 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 And it's pretty, it's a generic one, right? Like you can find little white ceramic mortar and pestles at grocery stores. You know, it's nothing specifically unique or special. It doesn't have a pentacle on it. Or right. It's just very simple. I don't even remember where I got it. Um. But I like mortar and pestles because they feel particularly witchy and that using one, you know, that was something the 15 year old me with my, my marble one, you know, I didn't 
have access to a lot of, of classically witchy things. I didn't have access to a lot of the ingredients that the books told me to use. So I would make do uh, with what I could find, you know, or I would supplement where I thought I could figure out supplements. But putting a bunch of herbs into a bowl and beating the pulp out of them, and, you know, and grinding and that whole process of getting your hands dirty and and you can smell the the scent of the herbs and the oils yeah, yeah and you know you can see it transform from you know sometimes in ritual or in spells I've needed to take something that's quite chunky and pound it down into dust you know which takes time and elbow grease it's not it doesn't happen easily using a mortar and pestle is not an easy process if you've ever made pesto by hand you know what a long process it is, right? Yeah. Uh, but there is something particularly witchy about going through that and grinding something. It feels very, well, it's very ancient, you know? And it, oddly enough, it's not like I've, I have ground acorn, but it's not, that's, you know, what the indigenous people of this area would have done. They would have, you know, ground acorns because there's acorns all over the place. So it's not that it's my indigenous lineage, but it is where I live's indigenous li lineage, you know? So there is also something that feels very much like connecting to the ancients when you use a mortar and pestle. Like it's very ancestral. There is a, a, a state park, or maybe it's a county park, I'm mm -hmm. not sure, uh, about 25 miles south of where we live. And um, I believe it's called Olampali. Yeah. And the indigenous peoples that lived in this land lived in that particular area. And at the time, the San Francisco Bay mm -hmm. came essentially right up to this um, little enclave, this piece of land where they lived and, and fished. And on really, really bad flood years, the bay still comes up to that area. Mm -hmm. uh, but do you remember those great big boulders with the... the yeah. So... There are several the boulders. grinding stones. Yeah, the big grinding stones. So imagine a massive boulder, you know, five or six feet across, big yeah. granite boulder. And imagine if it looked like it had little cup marks in it, like grooves. Little divots. Divots, yeah. And that's exactly what they were. So for, you know, gosh knows, thousands of mm -hmm. years, I imagine, uh, the folks from this local uh, group of folks would gather and they would put the acorns into these grooves and then take another stone, mm -hmm. essentially a, a mortar and pestle yeah. set up, and they would grind, grind the, the acorns down into a mush and, mm -hmm. and make breads and all sorts of other things with it. Yeah. Um, but y it's fascinating. You talk about connecting back to the ancients. So your mortar and pestle that was you know, three ninety nine at Walgreens or wherever <laughs> it was that it came from, um, while on the surface has nothing to do with this particular area harkens right. back to the traditional ways right. and pathways yeah. of yeah. the folks that have lived on this land for right however long Me forever and i think it's important as, you know for those of us who live on colonized lands to understand the lineage of the people that lived there yeah. so by no stretch of the imagination am i saying that i am recreating these indigenous practices yeah. absolutely not um, but honoring where i live means honoring the people who who lived here yeah 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 um and you know there some of that comes through and you know a mortar and pestle is not unique to this country's indigenous people a mortar and pestle oh, is no. used all over the freaking world yeah. and so uh, there's also just recognizing it is all of our ancestral lineage and all um, all of us had an ancestor at some point grinding 
you know, whether that was wheat or herbs or poultice for medicine, you know, or acorns or whatever. So it's, um, it's a tool I love because it, I feel like you need to engage in magic with your hand. You need to get your hands dirty. You need to do stuff. So that's one way to, to do stuff and it's fun and it engages that fetch, that child self. And it reminds you of Baba Yaga too, right? Well, well now, yeah, I don't, it didn't when I was 15, I didn't know Baba Yaga yet, but it does now. Yeah. You know, anything that makes me feel like a cranky old witch because that's who I am. (laughs) 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 So anywho, you were going to talk about your grand revelation. Let's hear it. Well. Antler man. Antler man. Yeah. So, you know, thinking thoughts. Don't want to go too deep into my own sort of thinking thoughts. Deep, deep thoughts for Guion. Don't want to go into too much of my personal process, but I'm thinking, you know, it, oh, it share with us. Tell us all your personal process. Yeah. Uh, well, it's August. Um, this is your personal process. Discovering that it's August. The month of August. That's it. That's well what I've come to the done. conclusion. Mind blown. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I feel pretty sated now. Uh, no, so it's it's the August. It's almost the end of August. <laughs> it's the August. It's the end of August. Yes. And uh, fall is rapidly coming on. Um, and in a way that's weird, right? Because these last five months... Because we haven't had a spring or a summer. We're just... Well, it happened, but we were inside for all of yeah, it, you know, right. because of COVID. I mean, the world still turned, the corn still grew, the tomatoes still blossomed and turned into tomatoes and now are beginning to to wane away a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it feels like a bit of a lost year. Mm-hmm. And we're coming into that time of year... It's, you know, not too far away from the autumn equinox, right? Mm-hmm. And so before too long, we'll be thinking about long nights and we'll be thinking about darkness and some of the imagery that comes up between the autumn equinox and I think, um, well, for me, really through sort of... Um, uh, in bulk or Bridget, you know, that sort of next four or five months mm-hmm. is the idea of, of well, frankly, death mm-hmm. um, and shedding of antlers. But, you know, with shedding with antlers, that's it's a regenerative thing. right? Yeah. So antlers come back each year and, and, mm-hmm. and grow more and all of that stuff. So there just feels something. Yeah. Isn't that really weird? Yeah. Like this whole thing. Like, you know, I guess I could equate it to a fingernail because that's kind of what it is, right? But your fingernail falls off, and then when it grows back, it's got, like, extra parts. Yeah. So neat. Yeah, it really is amazing. So there feels to me something about this, uh, one, this idea of shedding. Yeah. What is it as we go into the, the second harvest celebration, at least in this area, typically with the autumn equinox, right? So... And then going to Sawen. So what's the, what's being shed? What's being dropped off? What's um, dying to get ready to regenerate? Mm-hmm. Um, and w- what about those three tools? Like why those three tools? What is it for me that's going on that is got me thinking about those things? Is it just simply the time of the year? Mm-hmm. Um, is it this sense of loss and grief maybe over the sort of this, you know, wasted year? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, interrupted. It's not wasted. Yeah. Interrupted year. Yeah. Um, and also I think there is something about reconnecting because I have been so domesticated 
over these last five months. You know, I've I've literally been out uh, uh, just a handful of times. Right. Um, that I'm an inside this house Mm -hmm. um which i love the house and the the people that are in it but i feel caged um and i do long to sort of run in the woods which i can't do right now because (coughs) they're all on fire but um i you know want to run in the woods i want to rut in the in the undergrowth i i want to sharpen my antlers on the trees and and um you know that sort of stuff right so there's there's something about returning to the wild and i think each one of those tools um holds something on that you know because they connect me to the wild they connect me to all of that to the wild hunt to the Mm -hmm. to the running through the woods um and yet again they're fashioned they're controlled Mm -hmm. so there's something about um using that potent energy wisely yeah so yeah, that's that's what's going through my brain with those three tools. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh just to sort of wrap this up. Yes. So, you know, magical tools, you can uh have them gifted to you, you can buy them, you can make them, yeah. you can find them. Yeah. Uh they don't have to be you know, this $1000 handcrafted sword. That's lovely. Yeah. If you can get one, great. If you've got one and you don't want it, I'll take it. Right. I mean, if you're into that, it's awesome. And if you uh, find one at the Goodwill and that's what you got, then that's great. Didn't you say your first out of money was a (laughs) kitchen knife? Okay, so I have a really funny story. I'll tell you really quick. So (laughs) my book just came out, (laughs) Walking in Beauty, and uh, I gave one to my mom. So I went over to her house and I dropped it off and... Um, with masks on and socially distanced, of course. Yes. So then she calls me the next day and she goes, what did you steal from my kitchen? And I was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so in my bio, it says that my first athame was a stolen butter knife from my mom's kitchen. So then I had to explain it to her. And I was like, "My, we used to have this set of silverware that looked like wooden handles. It wasn't. It was resin. That was supposed to look like wood, sure. but it looked like a wooden handle. And so I, when I was 15 and I read you had to have a wooden handled knife, I was like, oh, perfect. She'll never notice a, a, a butter knife because it's our old, quote unquote, old set of, of silverware. So I stole a butter knife and I would use that as my athame. And she was, <laughs> she read that in my bio and was like, what did you steal out of my <laughs> kitchen? So there you yeah. go. If you don't have magical tools, you can steal something from Phoenix's mom. Yeah. Oh uh, no, wait, that's not right. Yeah, it's totally fine. I'll yeah. she'll never notice. She'll never notice. She would notice unless it's something old that she doesn't pay attention to, like that old butter knife. Yeah. So again, magical tools, <laughs> they can be what you make of them. Yeah. Right? You can you can buy them, you can make them, you can have them gifted to you, you can make do, you can buy the most outrageously expensive, handcrafted, amazing tool um but i think the real key is for me uh is to use them and something that you said was really true i think for me is use them in their time Mm -hmm. there are some tools that i use every day and for me recently well for many years but for me most commonly it's the tools in my kitchen Mm -hmm. because that's where i'm at so mortars and pestles and knives and wooden spoons and cauldrons and 
you know, things like that that I cook with. Yeah. That's been the, the, the magical tools that I use mostly. Um, and in some of the magical traditions that you and I practice in, we don't need any tools but our body and our ecstatic right. uh, energy. Yeah. But there are some traditions, there's one in particular that uses very specific tools. And again, I'm looking in my magical ca- magical cabinet thinking it feels like the time to start using tools. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, you know, when we think of tools, maybe we think of building. And I think it's maybe time to rebuild some of my practices. Yeah. And so using tools to do that that are already imbued with magic mm-hmm. might be a, might be a good way to mm-hmm. do that. I think the, you know, the other side of that is true too when a tool uh, or isn't true, but it's worth mentioning is when a tool does outlive its purpose, you know, setting it aside in, in case you decide it, you you're ready to pick it up again or completely releasing it, you know, and clearing it of any intention you may have put into it burning it if that's appropriate for the substance it's made of lobbing it into a river if that's all right giving it to another magical practitioner if that feels appropriate you know like my rattle has been handed down you know so it's it's in how you receive it and how you use it and how it moves away yeah magical tools pretty cool we could do a, a a whole show on like one type of magical tool one of these days we should just start a youtube channel and then we can actually go over to our cabinet and just take everything out one at a time and be like this is this and this is where we got it and and then look at this cool thing and here's what it is and why we have it in here blah because a youtube channel with the two of us with you going (laughs) blah and would be (laughs) blinding well then you could see me what i'm wearing my pjs right now with just mascara on and my glasses, and I haven't brushed my hair today. So there's also that part of having a YouTube channel. Next on The Witches Next Door, glamour magic. Uh, <laughs> check out my makeup. All right. Anyway. Are we, are we done? Yep. Goodbye. See everyone. I'm going to make you turn this off, though, because I don't want to do it wrong. So, Guion, you need to use your magical skills. Nah, you can do it. Should I just push stop? Yep.